Tax advantage. There's a lot to this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I'm hoping this won't be too long. Well, I won't know. I haven't recorded it yet, but lots to talk about. This is one of those episodes that I get really geared up for because I get excited about it because this is, in my opinion, really what we hopefully are giving to you that you're not seeing anyplace else. In my opinion, this is what Travel Evolved really <laughs> cuts its teeth on, and that is really bringing you guys the, the straight deal on things that you just kind of have to flounder around and ask each other with. We're going to talk about tax advantage, everything that comes to do and has to do with tax advantage, from GSA to how it actually works, just to fundamental things behind your tax advantage as a traveling healthcare provider on this week's edition of Travel Evolved. It's Travel Evolved. I'm Mark Holloway. Welcome to this episode, everyone. This is an episode, I call it a Mark episode, because um, this is what I really get passionate about. And first of all, I'm going to do my best to go slow as I can, because I get talking. And what I've recognized when I do episodes like this is sometimes I actually say the wrong thing. I'm thinking one thing in my head, and the words come out, and I'm saying something that totally changes. So I'm going to really do my best to get rid of my... Um, Michigan speed, as I like to call it, in my vocal dialect and the way and the speed in which I talk. I'm going to try to really go slow because this one is really important that the topics I want to cover today, I can cover in a, in a really good pace that really makes sense. There's a lot here. We're going to reference some future episodes, one that we're doing in about four weeks, another one's going to be coming a couple months behind that. Um, I, as you know, we already planned these things out, but this is just, in my opinion, one of those episodes that I guarantee will become one of our top played episodes for years and years. And it's tax advantage, obviously. First of all, my first disclaimer is going to be that this is an opinion piece. So I want to make sure you guys understand I am not giving tax advice. I'm not qualified to give tax advice. I'm not a CPA. I'm not an accountant. Uh, I had a couple years of accounting in college. That certainly does not qualify me to give tax ad advice. This is my opinion. Most of the stuff I'm going to tell you is what I know to be true. I do have um, some qualifications. I mean, I have talked to a lot of CPAs. I've even interviewed some. I've done some things in the past on social media that really uh, has validated what I'm going to tell you guys. But that still being said, I just want to make sure that you guys understand that I really would tell you that anything I say on this episode, I would validate and verify with a CPA or someone that has the license and the ability to be able to really give this advice. I just want to get you guys thinking about this stuff because this is, like I said, it's an opinion piece, but it's a potentially an, an educated opinion piece. So there's my disclaimer for the episode. Um, 
I guess I don't even know where to, where to begin. Tax advantage is a huge part of being a traveling healthcare professional. If you want it to be, let's start with that. The government has recognized that you guys, and, and by the way, this is not, some people make this mistake, they think it's just about healthcare travelers. This is not about healthcare travelers. This is about anybody in our country who is asked to or works remotely from their home. What the government has done many, many years ago, I tried to go and look online to find out when exactly this started, and I couldn't even find a date without having to spend too much time, which I did not have, to research it. But quick research, I can't tell you how long this has been going on. So it's been going on for a long time. The government recognized many, many, many years ago that if you are asked or are you, if you are creating an income for yourself and, and creating a living for yourself that is away from your home, and in some cases mostly I, I believe what the rule is is 50 miles away, there are expenses that you're going to incur, which our wonderful government has said that's not really fair that you would be taxed like someone who doesn't have those expenses. So they've given us basically tax breaks for meals and incidentals and potentially housing expenses that you would and anybody would incur working on the road, having to go away from their home a couple hours away, or in many of your cases, many states away. The expenses that you guys have as you know, renting an apartment, renting an Airbnb, again, most of you guys always talk about the fact that you have a mortgage or potentially at home and you still have to pay rent. So th that's the reason why it's there. When you're on the road, and I can attest to this, even if you stay someplace long term, your expenses are a little bit higher. You have to go out and buy things that you would, that you would keep longer in your home, whether it's, you know, again, going out to dinner, that's the meals term, the incidentals that you might incur, that's the incidentals term, for having to go out and buy a whole big thing of, I don't know, sugar. Don't eat sugar, by the way, it's really bad for you. Because you don't have, because you have to buy a huge thing of sugar, or you have to go out and buy a huge thing of laundry detergent, or a big thing of, of, of dishwasher soap. You guys get where I'm going. Those are expenses that you're going to incur that are above and beyond what you typically would incur if you weren't traveling and working away from your residence. So what the government did, obviously, is they created a, a, a opportunity for you to not be taxed on a certain portion of your income, and it's based upon the cost of living in that county. And every single state and every single county in the United States, including, by the way, Alaska and Hawaii, which is not listed on the GSA, you have to go to a different link, and I'll walk you through that in a minute, all have cost of living expenses that the government has painstakingly taken the time to calculate that says here's what a daily meals incidentals tax-free amount should be and here's what a daily housing amount should be they've done all this work for us and obviously with our industry it is really prevalent because almost all of you are working at least that far away from home so again that just i know it's a really fundamental explanation of what it is but i wanted to make sure i, I really walked a lot of people through it because there are those few people that are maybe new to this and didn't really know so it is by design to help you and help all of us. I don't care if you're an IT engineer and you've been asked to go to a, a, the corporate office and, and you're working there and you're living in a hotel room. Maybe the company's even paying for it. You're still going to have incidentals and meals that you're going to pay for. The government said, hey, this is a, a tax break. It just means you're not paying taxes on a percentage of your income. And in our case, what we basically do is we take, we assume, unless you tell your agency differently, that it is based upon that that daily amount multiplied by seven days a week because all of us typically get paid weekly. So that's how it's calculated. So they pull that out as a weekly figure because that's the assumption. Now, here's what I'll tell you, and I'm going to say this a couple of times during this episode. If you don't work and you're going back home four days out of the, out of the seven 
you should probably let your CPA and accountant know that because it probably is not probably the answer is it isn't right to be taking tax advantage for seven days a week if you don't have seven days a week of expenses if you guys follow my drift on that the same thing applies if you're not working more than 50 miles away and again I don't know if 50 miles away is the set fundamental range or mileage for every state but I know it's one of the common ones I think that's typically what I've been told is is kind of what differentiates whether you're allowed to take tax advantage or not. I could be wrong there. It's one of those things I could be totally wrong about. It might be different in certain states, different in certain um, you know, jurisdictions. I don't know. But that's what I've always been told. So if you're not working that far away, you probably shouldn't be using tax advantage because it's not legal. You're not, you don't have those expenses because you're basically only driving you know, less than an hour away and the government says you don't get those breaks. So you shouldn't take those breaks, right? That's what tax advantage really comes down to. It is, it is again, it's not a healthcare traveler type, uh, you know, specific rule by the government. It is a rule for everybody that you guys just definitely have as a huge part of your life. So it affects all of us and most of you guys on a daily, certainly a weekly basis when it comes to your paycheck. So it needs to be done correctly. And that's the first thing I want to mention. And I will say this. I've done episodes, I've done, I shouldn't say episodes, I've done some social media on this stuff in years past, and I do think that things have changed for the better. I think a lot has to do with these incredibly high bill rates, which then obviously mean incredibly high pay rates, which also means incredibly high taxable amounts, nothing you can do about that, have kind of made companies become a little bit more, I'm going to use the word, honest. A couple of three, four years ago, certainly 10, 15 years ago, the biggest thing in our industry was that companies were asking travelers to take more tax advantage than what was allowed in that county. I've, I saw it. And you guys may think, what? Yeah, I saw that pretty heavily. And I'll explain why in a little while. But that was really common. So I will say that I feel like it is done correctly more than it used to be. Certainly more than a couple of years ago. I've, I've noticed some really significant improvements in our industry, which is, you know, again, hopefully part of why we do what we do. And I've been on social media for a while chirping on this. So Maybe it's helped a little bit, but I think a lot has to do with other other things that it mostly has to do with the fact that people make a ton of money and it's become a bigger and bigger piece of company models and they're starting to recognize they have to do it right. So it is becoming something they're doing right. Now, here's the big thing that I want to talk about here at the very beginning of this episode, and that is this, and it's really important you guys recognize this. This is not a requirement. You do not, I don't care if you work three states away, you do not have to take advantage of a tax advantage or GSA tax-free amount. That is your decision. And any company that's trying to tell you that you have to do it, that's wrong because they're trying to do it because here's the other thing I want to say that's really important. We companies, us agencies, and anybody who's, who, you know, in not even just in our world, but in any industry, only pays taxes on the income in which is taxable to you as well. So all this tax-free dollars for meals and incidentals and for wages is a straight pass-through. There are no payroll taxes that are associated with it is a tax-free category. So that means, if you follow me, companies want you to take this because it allows for less taxes on their payroll on an income. If you're making $3,000 a week then and they're only, you know, you only have 1,000 or 1,500 of that is taxable, that means the company's paying taxes on $1,500 of that, not 3,000. Now don't confuse this with the taxes that you're paying. There are payroll taxes that companies have to pay. We all pay the government a payroll tax. So every single time, that, and we'll talk about this a lot in, in certain episodes. Most of you guys know this, obviously, but some people don't. When you pay $1,000 to a traveler, you know, all taxable, there are taxes that we have to pay on top of that 
that are, you know, that go to the government. It's a payroll tax. So like, for example, when I pay myself, I pay the government taxes to pay me. And then of course I pay individually, personally on my own taxes, like all of you guys do too. It's kind of a double hit, but we pay payroll taxes. That's part of our world. And, I, and again, I don't mean to sound crazy, but for a lot of you, I like going oh, no, of course, some people don't know that. So we'll talk about that because it does affect some things. But when a company has a built-in incentive, you know, incentivized to not pay payroll taxes, of course they're going to try to push as much of that on it. That's what we used to see years and years ago. Like I say, it's changed a little bit. It's gotten better. As a matter of fact, I've seen recently where many companies are not allowing travelers to take the full amount of a tax advantage in that county, which I cannot, for the life of me, wrap my head around it. I know there's a reason why. I guarantee there's some sort of benefit or something that has to do with the company. It certainly doesn't benefit you guys. But there could be a reason that they're doing that because it has to do with their own internal calculators that they use to quote payroll and quote you your weekly pay package. Might have something to do with that. It also might be that they're really nervous and they don't want to max that out because they don't want to get audited and be in, you know, be in trouble. I don't know what the answer is. But I think it's kind of crazy that if you're allowed to take a certain amount in a county that you wouldn't be able to take that. So those are two companies that I would stay away from. Ones that force you to take a tax advantage if you don't want to. And those that potentially don't allow you to take the full amount. Um, there are some things I'll talk about here in a minute that might have a little bit to do with that. But um, for the most part, I'd stay away from companies that are kind of force feeding you guys into tax advantage. This is a choice. You don't have to do this. For example, if you are in fact planning on taking all this wonderful, crazy amount of money that you're making as a traveler and you want to buy a house, you're only going to show the income on that taxable portion. All that tax-free tax dollars, you don't get to show. So for anybody out there that is considering buying a home, refinancing a home, or those of you that are worried about paying into Social Security, I've heard that a lot. Oh, I want to make sure I've got my benefit of Social Security, which, you know, we'll see if there's any Social Security available by the time some of us retire. If you're closer, then maybe it's better. But certainly those first two, refinancing a home, purchasing a home, Obviously, you can't have it both ways, so you have to make a decision. If that is in your near future, if you want to refinance and save a ton of money potentially um, on your, you know, your interest rate for your home, or if you're looking to upgrade, downgrade, or just buy your first house, you really need to talk to somebody with a financial background and CPA to say, should I be taking anything tax advantage? Even if I'm four states away, I've got to. It's more important to me right now to show income, which means yes, I'm going to pay taxes on all of my check or a majority of my check. But it's going to allow me to buy that house. So you got to really think about this stuff. And then unfortunately, even refinancing comes into play. You have to be able to explain to your mortgage broker that, yes, I, I do have all this income. Some of it is tax-free, but I still make it. And sometimes they'll accept that. Sometimes they won't. So that stuff is really, really important. But you guys have that power. Again, be careful. The company says, oh, this is going to, you know, we're going to pay you this much taxable and we're giving these two lump sums tax-free. If you tell them you want it all taxable, then they should be allowed to do that. Now, it may, and I want you guys to really hear this, it may calculate some lower total gross weekly pay. Now, follow me on this. This is where I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm going slow. I haven't rehearsed this or practiced. I never do practice this stuff. If a company is going to be paying, if they assume that everyone is going to take tax advantage and their internal calculations that they use, their programs for their, on their, their, you know, what, the, what they use for the recruiters to, to quote you with usually has a built-in set finite amount. So if you're in a county and it shows this amount of tax advantage, those companies probably assume that you're going to take that. You can throw a curveball at them if you say, I want to have it all taxable, which might mean, again, a company is going to pay more taxes on the full amount of lump sum, which may mean 
because of their expense, you guys all know we're not gonna we're not gonna take less money of the pie. We're going to keep our pie the same slice, so to speak, and we're gonna reduce your pie, your slice of the pie, because of the taxes that we're gonna have to pay on that payroll tax. If that follows, it makes sense to me. So for some companies, that is a true thing. And I've had people ask me that privately. If if I want more tax taxable, my company's telling me that they're gonna the whole rate goes down. I, I understand that. I really do. I mean, it is part of it for, for, for companies, and, and most of us do. Most of us have a set margin, and we have rules, and if that's the way the company does business, and they want to keep those margins, if they don't have kind of a sliding scale that allows you know recruiters to make more money if the company gets more money from you, then know that that could be effective. And I, I mean, I, I think that's, a, again, if you're talking about what's fair and what's not fair, a company's not going to decide they're going to make less margin because you want to buy a house. I hate to break it to you, but they're not. Mike, I wouldn't either. I mean, my company wouldn't either. That's just not the way the, the business model works because who knows? Maybe the mortgage rates, maybe they're going to go up. If they go down and everybody wants to buy a house, then you're going to lose make, you know, less more money that year. Most, most companies aren't designed that way. So that's a real thing. I hope I explained that pretty well, and I think I did. If, you, if you're asking for more to be taxed, your company may have a, a calculation that allows them to be able to show you what that would mean, and they're going to take that taxable dollars that they're paying on the additional amount that you're that you, they'd be paying tax-wise for you. Not the full amount, but the additional. It's above and beyond what they normally would be paying with it all being tax-free. And they may charge that against you, against your gross weekly, which might lower it you know, a few bucks. Um, right now with these rates, those few bucks may be more than you know, just slightly a few. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that when it comes to tax advantage, agencies, all of us, it's a good thing. It allows for gross weekly to be better and to be paid higher. And if you're following the rules properly, it makes your paycheck more attractive. So the agency looks good. You feel happier. You know, everybody kind of wins. The government's happy because they're getting, you know, the proper taxes taken out for what is supposed to be taken out. And they're not expecting that on that amount that you're not supposed to have to be taxed on. So it all works out really, really, really well. Okay, so I guess... I, where, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next because this, there's a lot there's a lot of different stuff here. Like I said earlier, this is this was nationally a program that was put in nationally many many years ago to help you. It is to help you so that those expenses that you have for being a traveler are absorbed and at least not taxed on, which does in fact save you a little bit of money. So follow that understanding. For every $100 that you're not taxed on, you might save $20. You might save $22. So you're actually not saving the 100 You're saving the taxable portion, which is just the $22 or $20 an hour that you might be making. I'm just using as, as an example. So don't confuse that. We're not talking about huge dollars, but for those of you that worked in a staff facility at X amount of salary, you could see the percentage of your taxes that were being taken out. Now you're making more, you're grossing more, and for many of you, your your net income is a is even a, a larger percentage of your gross income because of this tax advantage. That's the way it's supposed to work. It is based upon, like I said, that particular county. So obviously, the, the research the government did, the more expensive the cost of living is in that county, the more money that you're allowed to take tax-free for both the meals and incidentals category and the housing category. So clearly, if you were talking about this, you know, New York City as opposed to you know, Syracuse, New York, the tax advantage in, in New York City is going to be much higher than the tax advantage in Syracuse because it's obviously more expensive to live in the city than it is to live outside the city. 
or you know a couple hours away from the city. So hopefully the pay rate also reflects that because remember guys, you're not you're getting tax advantage, but you're also going to be paying more to go out to eat. You're going to be paying more for your meals, your incentives, and of course for your housing. So it is kind of a sliding scale. And I've always told you guys, really think about the excitements that you're accepting and take a look at not only just the gross amount that company is, is potentially, and hopefully they're, they're, they're quoting you in gross, that the company is quoting you, but look at what your cost of living is going to be. You guys have the ability to go and look at the GSA. It's just gsa.gov. And up in the upper corner, upper middle part of the, of the page, it says, look up per, per diem, look up or look up per diems. And all you have to do is type in the state and the, the city and it's listed right there. If it's not listed right there, they usually have a section that also tells you if you're if it's small enough or big enough, whatever. And, and there's a whole bunch of other cities that don't have this cost of living. They lump many smaller or rural cities into another category. It says all the rest of the cities are not listed here. This is the this is the rate for meals and incentives, and this is the rate for housing. So you can literally look up every single county that you're going to potentially be living in. And of course, most of us companies calculate this on where the hospital is. We can't predict if you're living in this county or if you're going to go a county away where you're housing. So we do the best we can to calculate that. And typically, we oftentimes don't know. And I will tell you that there may be a slight difference between what you really should be taking living in that county and what you shouldn't. But that's, again, when you are talking to an accountant. And it's, and it's going to be pretty similar. It doesn't typically mean that one county over is a huge difference. So hopefully the idea is that you're going to be really close, if not right on, on what you're allowed to take, uh, to take tax-free. So the other thing I want to mention real briefly is that some of these counties do have some seasonality built into them, which means that there are times when that county is more expensive to live in than others. I think of Maine as a good example. Maine, obviously, during the summertime, it's a popular vacation place. It's a popular location for people to go and live in. So I'm pretty sure that the cost of living in Maine is higher in the warmer months than it is in the colder months. And that the opposite can apply to other different you know, counties and states. Sometimes there's just vacation destinations or there's festivals that actually even believe it or not affect it i know sturgis pretty sure affects south dakota <laughs> during that that week so there are that month i'm pretty sure the cost of living is higher because the government is again we, they've done the research it's more expensive by far to find an apartment in that county when bike week's going on than it would be when it's not so it I mean ridiculously higher. So they've they've calculated a lot of that in. So if you look at your yearly, they they put it out yearly. I think they they go up about I think you know roughly six or seven months in advance. Obviously they also do change this every year. So they look at it, you know yearly cost of living, and you know we'll see how things go. But I'm pretty sure it rarely probably ever goes down. But it may go up. You may be able to take more advantage of tax advantage in certain counties as time goes by because they're going to become more and more expensive to live on. So recognize and know. That there could be sometimes during your assignment, if, you're, if your agency is doing it really right, you may see more or less tax advantage during the course of your assignment based upon those monthly amounts. And I mean, that's an agency that's really got it going on where they really figure out, hey, right now you've got more advantage because you're living in this county and they can bump that up. That's a pretty sophisticated company that I, and I like the way they do that. So that would be awesome if they actually do both, you know, really accurately portray what you're allowed to take tax free. So. Like I said, there's a lot to this episode for sure. Um, here's the thing. you you got to be really careful. You should not be taking more than what that county is allowing you to take. There is a limit. And I think any company worth their weight would say, you know, again, some people have asked me, I'll use this as an example, have never traveled this whole year, so I was paying full taxes. 
can I take more than what I'm allowed to take in this county? Because it's, you know, let's say it's October, November, and I only got three more months of the years up. I want to really max this out. The answer really should be no. I mean, again, any company that is going to be doing things properly are going to follow the rules and say, I get you, you maybe haven't. And I know that the government is going to look at things yearly, but for this particular situation, you really shouldn't be. So you guys should be going there. When a company tells you, here's our quote, here's our pay package for you, I would highly recommend that you go to gsa.gov and validate and verify that that is matching what the company is quoting you. If it's not, you got a problem. You should either call them or switch companies because they should be looking at that all the time and, and accurately and as it changes and evolves and moves around, maybe potentially seasonally, they should be looking at that for you and you should, again, you should be able to validate all this stuff and I absolutely would recommend that you do that for sure. All right, here's a big thing again. I know I'm, I know I'm going quickly, but I have so much to cover and I know we've, we've gone into this already 25, 26 minutes. There's a lot here. Here's the big thing. The GSA, as you guys noticed, if you look at gsa.gov, it is it is predicated and based upon the cost of living in that county. It is a fixed number for everybody. And I'll just use an example. I'll, I might use some round figures. Let's say that it's, I don't know, $120 a day for your housing and $70 a day for your meals and incidentals. You'll notice when you look at the GSA website, it doesn't say, well, if you're a physician, here's how much it is. And if you are a uh, you know, working at McDonald's, here's what it is. It's not like that. There's no difference in how expensive things are in a community or in a county, I should say, based upon your income. And what used to drive me nuts, and again, I think it's improving a little bit, is agencies that seem to have a little bit of a floating rule. It's finite. This is a fixed amount. I don't care right now if you're making silly money, and all of you guys hopefully are, if you're doing things right, if you're not, keep listening because we're going to teach you how to make a ton of money. There's a lot of money to be made out there right now. Unfortunately, as your income goes up, the amount you're allowed to take tax-free does not. So, you know, guys, you're, you're going to be taxed on more and more money. The higher your gross weekly is, you'll see, and you'll have to do the calculations. When a company quotes you an hourly taxable amount, multiply that by 36 or 40, or if you're on a 48-hour contract, whatever their rule is on what their pay package is based upon that income, you should take a look at what that is. Multiply it by, let's just say, 36 hours and multiply that by 52 weeks in a year. That's going to be your rough taxable income for the year, and you're going to fall under that taxable income category. So right now, a lot of you guys have are especially travelers if you're doing this right you have a very very high taxable income welcome to the united states of america there's nothing you can do about that except for take assignments that pay less i don't know why you would do that but there are some things you need to really think about there you should know these these tax brackets you can look those up online you can see what your income would be and how that that works you know based upon single had a household married filing separately or filing jointly you can look this up, and there are some assignments that you should actually walk away from because it might make you three or four hundred hours more a week than another assignment, but you may go into a whole different tax category, and you may see your check exactly the same. Now, again, we'll talk a little bit here about tax home and some other things, so it's not a bad thing because you may pay taxes now, you may get them back at the end of the year. So this is kind of a pretty complicated conversation. This is why I'm going to say repeatedly, you really need to talk to a CPA about this. If you're going to be a traveler, the one thing I want to recommend, and the last thing I wrote down here is use a CPA, not an accountant, not a, certainly not one of those, I'll do your you know, pop-up things that show up in, in a strip mall you know, once you're right around tax time. Don't Please don't use those folks. I'm going to beg of you guys that because 
if you're going to be a traveler, what you have to look at is this is an important part. You want to make sure you're doing it right. You want to make sure that you're safe, that you're doing it. You're following the rules. And a CPA who is certified is going to make sure and help you do that. So anyhow, I, I'm, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but it is it is really, really important that you guys get good advice on this stuff um, for sure. Anyway, going back to what I was saying, this is not based upon income. So I have seen companies where let's just take, for example, you've got a, a traveling I don't know, traveling friends that are we're traveling together. One of them is a nuclear med tech, and one of them is an LPN. And they have two totally different pay packages, totally different bill rates to that hospital. And all of a sudden, they're saying that you get your two packages, and you'll notice the tax-free amount is two different figures for the exact same assignment, exact same hospital. That's a problem with that agency. They're not doing things right. They are quoting two completely separate tax advantages for the week, for two separate incomes because they're trying to save potentially some payroll taxes. I can't say that for sure, but it shouldn't be. It should be the exact same figure for each of those individuals because it has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has to do with how much money you spend and your cost of living in that county. So I hope I'm really making that clear. It's really simple again, guys. GSA.gov, put in the county. It shows you daily meals and incidentals multiplied by seven days a week. That should be the figure companies quoting you at the max and it shows daily housing multiplied by seven. That's the figure they should be quoting you max. It's pretty simple. It's, this is not rocket science, but sometimes you guys just don't want to go to those websites, but I absolutely would just to make sure that you're being quoted properly. It's, it's a real fast lookup. Have it saved to your desktop on your, you know, your favorites on your phone or your favorites in your, uh, on your laptop because uh, it's super simple to do. So notice that. Be careful of any company that the more money you make, the more money you get tax-free. I, I, wrong and not not doing it the way the government wants them to do it that's for sure to say the very very least all right so i guess i want to talk a little bit about how many days a week that you're working i kind of briefed I briefly touched upon this and that was just be really careful if you really are in fact looking at a quote-unquote relatively local assignment I think you should have a very candid conversation with your CPA and say, hey, here's exactly what I'm doing. Sometimes I am working a fourth shift. I'm working this, or maybe I'm working five days a week. Do it the right way. I, I just, You guys will not be in trouble. Remember, taxes follow you around for years. So if you ever do get audited, they can go back. You want to make sure you're doing this stuff right. This is, again, talk about you know turning this into a, getting a career mindset and a business mindset. Treat this like a business. You have to realize you want to do this stuff exactly right. You don't want to mess around with your taxes. And you want to be able to, to, to take full advantage of what you're allowed to legally take, but you also do not want to you know push the envelope, which also means a CPA is going to help you on your deductions. Because you guys are getting a pretty decent amount of an advantage for your taxes, a CPA is going to know what deductions you should and also more importantly what deductions you should not be taking because you don't want it to be where you've got all this advantage and yet you're taking these other different things they know this stuff somebody who's a pop-up and you know doing taxes you know for two months out of the year is not going to know as much about the rules and the laws as a cpa would so like i say and by the way Last time I checked, having a CPA do your taxes as a traveler might be a couple of hundred dollars more than having somebody else do it. It's really not a big expense. And the the value for the expense, in my opinion, isn't even it's not even a question of how worth it is to you guys because you'll have an expert, a tax expert who understands your lifestyle, helping you making sure that you're filing your taxes properly and perfectly every year. So there you go. All right. I want to jump in and tackle this topic called wage recharacterization. It's a big one. 
And it's a buzzword out there for a lot of people. And it's a buzzword that a lot of recruiters and a lot of agencies use to kind of hide some dollars from you guys. And, I, and again, I know I've talked about this a lot. This, will, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in our industry. And it's a big one for me, in case you can't tell. It should be a big one for you because you're getting ripped off every single week. Most of you, by the way, are getting ripped off every single week. And you don't know it or you don't care. And I think it's got to be the first one. Here's what wage recharacterization is. And again, remember... This is my opinion, but it's an educated one. Wage recharacterization is when you are trying to take something that you should be taxed on and trying to recharacterize that category of income into a tax-free category. Not legal. The government doesn't like that. They want their money. You've earned that income. It is a taxable income. They want their portion of the taxes, or their portion, I should say, of the taxes, both state, locally, and federally, that are applied to that income that you've made. What tax advantage, I'm sorry, what wage recharacterization is not is taking something that is tax free and taxing it on it. So, the reason I'm, asking, I'm saying this thing, and again, I'm going to do two complete episodes. One of them is in, in about a month I looked at the schedule. Here's what companies will do, and this is my biggest pet peeve. Remember, for those of you that are working 12 hour shifts, what you're going to notice on your contract or your, you know, your pay package, your offer, whatever you want to call it, companies will give you here is your taxable hourly rate. And I'm going to use some really round figures. I'm just going to say it's you know $50 an hour. By the way, you traveler, your tax-free portion of your wage, and it is a wage, the meals and incidentals portion, we're going to say is $360. I want to use these figures because it's really simple. I don't have to think too hard. That's how much your weekly is going to be tax-free. Now, those two together are still your income. The last time I checked, one of them just happens to be taxable and one of them happens to be tax-free. One of them happens to be based on an hourly rate and one happens to be based cleverly on a weekly set amount. They're saying, well, it's $10 a day and, you know, it's $360. Bucks a, you know, I'm sorry, it's, yeah, it's 100 Yeah, you get what I'm saying. It's $10 an hour, so they've calculated it out. I did that to make it simple on myself. But let's just say it comes to $360. Then there's the meals, I'm sorry, then there's the housing, which we'll just say is $1,000 a week. What most of you guys will notice is that your contract is really silent on what happens for you 12-hour shifters. And of course, anybody that's working 40 hours or anybody that has either one of those scenarios that has overtime, what you'll notice is it's really silent about what you're making between hours 36 and 40. Well, it says very clearly, traveler, you're making you know, $50 an hour and you're making $360 a week. What I don't understand. What happens on your 37th hour or 15 minutes over 36? If you work 36.25 hours, the only thing that they're going to pay you is 50 bucks an hour of that taxable money. And what they're going to say is, we can't pay anything more tax-free because that would be wage recharacterization. The second part of that statement is true. They can, they, if they made it tax-free and added that, to your income, that would be wage recharacterization. And they're absolutely right. You're not allowed to do that. But the first part of that statement is incorrect. When they say, we can't pay you that, they could. They could take that 0.25 hours, add, in this case, $10 an hour. And I did that purposely because if you took $360 a week divided by 36 hours, that's $10 an hour. They could pay you $60 an hour and tax you on all of that. That is not wage recharacterization. There's a lot of uneducated recruiters out there that try to hide behind that because that's what their superiors and that's what they were taught in training to say because they don't know any better, so don't blame them. We can't give you $60 an hour because that would be wage recharacterization. No, you could as long as you tax me on it. The government has 
what wants that extra taxable income on that extra ten dollars an hour it's still you're not going to give them ten bucks an hour you might only see two or three of that ten dollars an hour go to the government eight of it might go to you or seven or eight of it might go to you so what's wrong with you making seven you know netting seven dollars more an hour or just not getting it all what most companies do is they just don't pay it to you so they pocket that ten dollars an hour for every one of your hours and for every traveler that works for them it's criminal <laughs> it's almost criminal but because you agree to it in writing and you don't ask the questions or question those sorts of things, they keep doing it. And it's my biggest problem with the industry. It's one of the things that makes, I think, us gross and ugly for the last, it's getting close to a decade now. This is bad business, in my opinion, because for that 37th hour, that 15 minutes, we still get to take 15 minutes worth of the exact same bill rate as the first hour you billed for us, which means that all that happened is our margin went up and you only got a portion of that, less of that piece of pie for that hour. It's unfair. We're, we're making more money. The companies that do that are hoping you work 37 and a half hours. They hope you work into overtime because they're going to take a bigger piece of that margin for those hours. You get paid less for working more hours and they get paid more. It's a crime. By the way, what I also want to explain to you is that your overtime holiday and callback in those scenarios, typically with most companies, is $75. Well, Traveler, it's 50 bucks times 1.5, so it's another $25, so you're making 75 bucks. Aren't you happy? Well, it shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be $75. If it makes sense, it should be $80. You should be making, is that right? I did that right? It's 60, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 60, so another 30, so I'm sorry, $90. Wow, well, I did that totally wrong. Usually I'm better than that. So I'm making $75 an hour. It should be time and a half in my example of 60 bucks an hour, which is another 30, which means it's 90. So we just got ripped off $15 an hour for that overtime because you just agreed to that contract where it's silent. Or it even comes out and, and, and boldly will tell you your overtime is, is you know, 1.5 of your, of your taxable income, or they'll just come out and say it's $75, which means they're keeping $15 of your money more than they were for the first amount. Still billing, again, more. Now, overtime's a little different. I will defend us a little bit and say that most of the time we're not billing 1.5 of the of the uh, the bill rate for overtime. It's usually eight bucks, ten bucks. I've seen you know 25% more on top of that. But here's what I want you guys to recognize: when we quote rates, we quote based upon an assumption of you working either 36 or 40 hours for that week, and that's what we base our, our profit margin and our margins in general on. So when you work more than that, it's everybody makes more money. Everyone wins but the hospital, but they should win because they've got more patient care and they're billing, obviously, a lot more money than what they're paying us. So it really is kind of a win-win scenario, which means we're making more money. So why do we feel like we have to make a bigger percentage when we're making, it, we're making more money on you that week than we were expecting? Which means, theoretically, if you really want to look at it the way it should be, we should actually be cutting our margins down because it's extra money. But we don't. I shouldn't say we. I, I do. <laughs> I'm sure there's companies out there that do it too. I'm not. Again, this is not about what I'm doing. But I want you guys to recognize this is baloney. This is not the way any other industry is paid. No other industry I know of that works remotely or travels like you guys do accepts the fact that you're going to make less for anything over your set amount because of the way a company has done that. And by the way, this is. This is I don't know if this was done by design or someone just fell upon it. But now every company's going whoa. There's money to be made here. There's bigger margins to be made here. We're going to do that too. Why wouldn't they? You guys let them every single day. Next time you guys sign a contract, tell your company, here's what I want. I want you to take that 
weekly amount of, per day of, of meals and incentives. I want you to divide it by the number of hours I'm expecting to work, either 36 or 40. And I want you to calculate what that is. It's really simple. And I want you to add that to my taxable income and tax me on all of it for anything over 36. And that's the figure I want you to multiply by 1.5 for my holiday, my overtime, and my callback. And don't accept them saying anything differently. If they try to tell you that they can't, it's not true. It's extra money. I've had, I've had one gal I've talked to a lot. Her company pays a lot, and she, they've, they've hidden behind the fact that, well, we're only paying a little bit more, or only billing a little bit more per hour. So when you go to 1.5 of that, our margin really drops. Yes, but you guys hear what I just said? It's extra income. It's extra money that they weren't anticipating. It's free money to that company. You're the one that did all the hard work. So who cares? They're making 5%. Who cares? They're making anything as long as they're not, as long as they're making enough to cover any potential interest on any kind of, you know, floating of cash they have to do for six weeks. It really shouldn't matter. Yeah, she's right. They are making less income and they don't like that. They want to make the same or more. So when you do work into overtime, a lot of companies don't like paying 1.5 of that full amount because their margin goes down to very little sometimes for those hospitals and those facilities that have specifically gears to only pay a certain amount of additional income, like 10 bucks more an hour, especially when you're dealing with these huge, huge pay rates right now that we all are dealing with. My taxes on our payroll are, are really high because travelers are, are have more and more of their income, if you follow me on this, is taxable now than it's ever been because the incomes are higher and the tax-free categories have not increased very much. So my percentage of taxes is much higher. But so what? We're still making a, a bigger, you know, the same amount of margin on a much bigger bill rate. So it's just, guys, this is... This is really simple stuff that you need to pause and start start thinking about because this is what makes you guys an involved traveler. And this is why I created this podcast, Travel Evolve, to get you guys thinking about, holy cow. And this should almost make you angry. It really should. If it doesn't give you that kind of a of a <clears throat> of a reaction, something's wrong. Because like I said, it'd be one thing if every single industry that has people that work remotely from you know their their home office or their home, if it all worked that way, great. But I don't know if any other industry that the employees, which you guys are, have agreed to be paid this way. You, you got to start questioning stuff or go to work for a company that does it the right way that ta taxes you on that. And I think the I've have heard in the last year since I've been preaching this stuff. Last couple of years I've been really preaching it. So some companies are doing it. So maybe I'm irritating some people. I don't. Doesn't matter. Everyone still wins. They shouldn't be mad at me for calling us out. They matter. They should be happy because you'll have more loyalty because you feel like you're getting a good deal now because it's actually being done fairly and properly, which is the way it absolutely should be. I told you there was going to be a lot in this episode. There's a lot to this one. I really hope that for the many of you guys, you go back and re-listen to this one because there's a lot there. And I think so far, I feel like I'm I'm not misspeaking on a lot of stuff. So. On that note, I want to talk a little bit about what I saw last year. Just on a, just a side note, it was really interesting to me when the rates started doubling. And that's what they did, by the way. You guys should know that the rates started doubling on our bill rates to facilities, which means let's just say a company was making $15 an hour off of you. They were now making $30 an hour because the bill rates doubled, which everybody won. You guys were also making a ton of money. Hospitals were the ones that were suffering because they had to pay a lot of money. So agencies started making a ton of money back in early 2020. They really did. I don't know of any that didn't. I know there were some companies that went out of business. Some companies definitely slowed their business model down because there were other newer options that were taking away business from them, and that's still happening. So, 
sometimes, you know. Anyway, what I found found really fascinating was last year how many people on social media, and I've mentioned this before, were complaining about those taxes. Like I just said, I mean, there's a finite number that you can actually take on your taxes. So when you make a lot of money, as you guys all know, the government assumes that weekly check, it's pretty simple. It's multiplied by 50, every week it's multiplied by 52 weeks to calculate a national, an average yearly annual income, I should say. And those are the taxes you're taking on that week. As you work less and more hours, if you look at your percentage of what your gross to net is, it does fluctuate based upon the number of hours you work because that's the way all checks work. If you Back when you were at your facility, let's say, and you were just working as a PTA somewhere, you had a steady check typically. And so, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of you guys still did work hourly, but it, it, was more the, it was more the same, especially if you were on a salary situation. So obviously as a traveler, it does fluctuate. I just found it so fascinating last year that the incomes were out of control. Everyone got really excited about, I mean, remember $10,000 a week incomes? You guys remember those? I know people that were making that, and they were upset that literally half of their income was going to the government. Well, that's a half a million dollar a year income, and that's the tax bracket. So recognize that people that make a half a million dollars a year, most of them, half their check roughly, I'm being, I mean, it's right there, goes to the government. It's the way it is. So it was really fascinating to me to see that. And, um, you know, if wages stay the way they are, you guys are in a whole different tax bracket. And um, unfortunately, that's just the way it goes. You still are taking, have a good about ability to take advantage of the tax advantage situation, which people like me who don't travel don't get to do. So there's a really still a wonderful benefit to being a traveler. And, you know, the income is obviously higher and you have this, this ability as anybody would that travels for an, a living to take a decent portion of it or a small portion of it tax-free. What really kills you sometimes is when you've got an incredibly high paying position in a rural or low cost of living uh, county. Follow me on that. Let's say this hospital has, you know, COVID needs or just, they just can't keep up and they're having, they're having to go really nuts on their hourly bill rate to us agencies to attract you because it's, you know, it's just, it's the middle of nowhere. And you also are coupling that with a low cost of living county. That means that most of your check is going to be taxed because there's a finite amount that you can take tax free. So it is what it is. Recognize that. So some of these really high paying rural assignments may not be in your best interest because they're going to, you're going to, you're going to pay a lot of taxes into it. Again, almost there. Talk about that here in a second. So let's talk about tax home because I'm kind of alluding to it. So let's just jump onto it right now. Move my notes around because I didn't make notes on this assignment or this uh, this episode like, like usually. Um, I have notes, but these ones are pretty detailed. I want to talk about tax home, which really means home. Where do you where do you pay your taxes? It's a pretty decent topic. It, it's kind of part of tax advantage. I want to just discuss it. it again. Here's just. 36,000 feet, guys and gals. So apologize if you already know this. Just fast forward potentially. But the way it works is that obviously you guys are getting taxed on where you are working. We, I mentioned earlier, we pay taxable taxes on payroll taxes. We don't, if you're fairly living in Kentucky and you're working in Oklahoma, we pay Oklahoma taxes for you. It doesn't matter where you live. So that's the legal way to, to do it. So it, you may be paying more taxes or less taxes than what your normal home is. So that's what tax home means. It's where is, you base, where is it you basically are going to file your taxes at the end of each year. If you're taking an assignment here, an assignment there, and your home is, let's just say we said in, what did, where did it say? I can't remember now. I'll just say, I know you were working in Oklahoma. I can't remember where I said your, your things were, but let's say you, you, you live in Georgia. 
and you're and you're working all over the country, assignment here, assignment there, you're going to pay Georgia state taxes. Here's how the way it works. I'm kind of talking around it. While you're on the assignment, again, I apologize to those of you that already know this, you're going to be paying into, let's say, Oklahoma, not Georgia, for those payroll taxes. And that's the way it works. When you're done with that assignment, let's say you go to Mississippi and you work in Mississippi. During that assignment, you're going to pay Mississippi taxes. And that's the way it works. At the end of the year, your CPA, and you use a CPA, by the way, if I haven't already mentioned that, is going to say, okay, you don't live and we're not filing your national taxes and your other taxes in Mississippi or in Oklahoma. We're going to file them in Georgia. So basically what happens is that income is then transcribed into what it would be in Georgia. And they look at what you would pay if you had paid, made all the income in Georgia. And there's going to be either a, it's going to be a larger amount or a smaller amount. If it's larger, you're going to owe the state of Georgia and other, you know, and the national government some money. If it's less, you're going to get a refund. Now here's where it gets a little bit complicated, and that is when people talk about states, well, let's just hang on for just a second. Let me, let me mention this. If you stay in a state, there are some states, California always comes to mind, and I know that there are other states that are joining them that say, hey, you know, this is baloney. This person generated the income in our state. We want to keep that. I don't care if they live in Georgia. I'm worried, you know, and so some states are starting to, to say, and I, again, California is one of them, that after a certain period of time, if income is generated there, they're going to consider you a resident. And no matter what your tax home is, you don't get to take that money away from the state of California and apply it to the state of, you know, in this case, Georgia. They want it. I get that. I mean, I, I think that more and more states will start to do that um, because there are some states like Florida that don't have state taxes. So working in Florida has a really good advantage right now. You can go down there. You're not going to pay state taxes. And, and, you know, when you go back, you may have to apply that to your state taxes. But it is it is a, a really unique idea. Now, some people say, well, I don't have a home. I'm, 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 a, I'm a younger person. I don't have a mortgage, and I am a traveler. Well, this is where you actually have to declare someplace as your home. Again, I would talk to a CPA. That's where it gets a little complicated, definitely above my pay grade. But I do know this. I do know that when you file taxes, you can't just say, I'm filing in four different states, and I want to file this here, this there, this there. You have to still have to declare a tax home from what I understand. So talk to a CPA about how to do that, and make sure that you have an appropriate residents established so that you can pay taxes legally and properly. Now, here's the other thing I want to talk about on this note, and that is this whole idea that I have to leave California. I got to leave California, or I've been told I can only stay at this assignment for two or three assignments because I'm going to start having to, because I, I don't I don't live here. It's really not really a true statement. You, you should be allowed to stay at that assignment. Just understand that you may forfeit any potential disparagement that is in your favor by working in a higher tax state than a lower tax state if you choose to stay. And that is a real consideration to staying there. But if you're making ridiculous money in one of these states, then stay. I mean, there's no reason to go. Let them have their money. If, you, if, it's, if it helps you in your bottom line, in your net paychecks, to, to stay there, and it's a, you can do the math, or again, have a CPA do it for you. That's why you pay them the big bucks. Then stay there. There's no reason to, to, you're not forced to go home. You're just going to forfeit some taxes if that's the case. So, again, this is where I want you to start to really think about this stuff and put some notes down. And when you're done with this episode, call your CPA up and say, hey, I've got some questions and I want to go over some things. And ask him or her what the answer to some of these questions are so you can really be prepared. It's a brand new year. You should be prepared for 2022 to be able to really go out and look and see how do I do the best I can for my taxes make the most money, pay taxes properly, but also be able to take advantage of the set rules the government has allowed for me because of the kind of 
lifestyle and career that I have. It's pretty straightforward. So there you go. I was going to talk a little bit about how companies, and I've seen this still, and I'm just going to tell you guys, another company to stay away from is these companies that every single job they offer you, they used to be before the pandemic, before 2020, I saw dozens and dozens of companies that every single taxable hourly rate was 20 bucks an hour or $22 an hour. Do you guys remember those companies? If you're still working for that company, you were working for a crappy company that was screwing you over. I'm just sorry to say it. But knowing what you guys know now about how it's really how much is tax-free and then what's left, there should be no reason that two assignments, let alone three, four, five, six, seven assignments in a row, all have the exact same tax taxable income unless you're working in the exact same county, if that makes sense. Or if you're working in the same type of county. There are some you know pretty fundamental rural tax-free amounts that are the same. So if the bill rate was the same and the county is the same uh, tax advantage, then I could see that. But let's be frank, it was ridiculous. And I wanted to really complain about that to, to you guys because I, I did before in some things I've done. I think it's less now because I think you're, what you're seeing now, what I'm seeing at least from you guys right now, is a pretty good disparagement, which is the way it should be, of taxable incomes based upon the bill rate, what the company is going to take for their own margin, and then what the tax advantages for that county. But if you guys are still seeing anybody out there where your agency is every single time, no matter what part of the country or how dense the population or what the cost of living is, still giving you the exact same amount taxable, and then the other thing is changing, I would be really wary of that. I would do the math and say, why is it all the same? Again, go to that gsa.gov and calculate that on your own. I have totally seen that. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about real briefly, I'm just going to mention to you guys, is you know, this staying from companies that are off, that are quoting you guys with net weekly. I don't know why companies do that. Do they know what kind of hours you're going to be working? To me, it's 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 the craziest thing in the world. We're going to quote you, and here's what we're going to you're going to take home. In order to do that, they're having to make some assumptions, which, as we all know, the saying with what happens with assumptions, right? It is it's 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 not accurate. Because they don't know what you're going to claim. They don't know what your income level, what your hours are going to be every week. So, I mean, I'm just telling you, it, it, it's a way to not be able to compare two companies. If you really want to find out which company is paying the most, ask them both to quote, quote you in gross weekly. It's just the way to do it. You can go and see, are they both following the GSA properly? And at the end of the day, who who is my gross weekly going to be higher with with regard to either 36 or 40 hours? And is there a company that's actually going to pay me properly for hours 36 to 40 and properly for overtime and made the best company win so to speak so it allows you to compare which i think is is uh, maybe a trick for some companies that don't want you to compare to say well we're going to quote you a net amount so that you are unable to compare hey and the last thing i want to mention in this episode i'm gonna do the newspaper shuffle here use a cpa have i mentioned that before i think it's a really good idea to use a certified public accountant so he or she has gotten the certification. What that basically means is that they are putting their reputation on the line, that they are signing off, that they have done their, their work, that your taxes are being filed properly. It's, uh, it's the way to go. So whew, that all makes sense to you guys? Hopefully that, I went through that fast. Again, like I said, this is one of those episodes I knew there was a lot to it. I hope I did it justice. Listen, there is an episode I'm going to be doing very quickly. I think, like I said, it's in four episodes, I think, for now. I never usually tell people what's happening because I, I, I just like to keep you guessing a little bit. But I am doing an episode specifically on hours 36 to 40. A couple of you have asked about that, and I, I just looked it up before I recorded this and saw that it is coming up within like a month. 
And then there's also a, an episode I'm doing that's going to specifically go over overtime, which is going to bring this back up again and we'll go a little slower so there won't be as much around. It'll be focused just on those hours and I'll be able to really grind an axe good on those things. But guys, start making choices. Start having us agencies do better for you. This is, again, what I said back in episode number one or the intro. If you guys start demanding more, you're the commodity. I can't say it any better than this. People want you. I want you to work for me. Every other Mark Holloway out there wants you to work for them. So we have to compete for your business. And you, we have to earn that. And we have to retain it and keep earning it every day. If you guys start holding us to a higher standard, the, the companies that aren't doing things properly are going to go by the wayside. The companies that are doing things well are going to win, which also means you guys win. And the whole industry evolves to being in a better, better place. It's, it's, it hasn't evolved. It actually has gone a little south. As a matter of fact, like I said before repeatedly, and I'll explain this a lot when I start talking about you know the, the story I want to tell you guys, is that it went south really bad. When, when the COVID started hitting. I, I saw this industry turn into an industry that was very disgusting to me and I was not proud of it. And I, I think you can be proud. I'm, I'm very proud of what's happening now and I'm proud of where I think this industry could go if you guys hold us accountable. And that's really what this whole series, this whole podcast, this YouTube channel is all about is having you guys understand the things that it's not that you're specifically always, I always say that you're specifically being tricked not to. It's not so much that. It's just no one wants to talk about it because ignorance is bliss in our side of the industry. If a traveler is ignorant about some of these little things that we talked about today, it's blissful for us because we make more money. And I think if you guys are educated and knowledgeable, you know, that yuckiness of the, of the industry will go by the wayside, like I just said. And agencies will either have to change their model and do better for you or they won't make it. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's the way our country was built. Good companies do well. Bad companies don't do so well. Guys, as always, I appreciate it. I'll catch you next time on Travel Evolved.